How's everybody doing today? It's Rob O'Donnell here at WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM. Anywhere on the Odyssey app or anywhere you want to get your favorite podcast, just search the Rob O'Donnell Show. It's there. Ask your smart speaker. You'll get the podcast. You want to listen to the show live, asking for, ask uh, your smart speaker for WILK News Radio. It'll play it for you live. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. And nothing gets moving on our roads without our truckers. So uh, a huge shout-out to Road Scholar Transport and their drivers who are out there doing God's work each and every day. America does not move without its trucking industry, that's for sure. It's uh, 3.09, almost 3.10 here in the station in Pittston. Let's see. Uh, woke up to some snow up by me, about an inch. Uh, thankfully, wasn't on the driveway, but all the grassy deck and uh, grass, grassy areas, deck, roof, uh, had about just about an inch. I would say maybe a little less. 34 degrees now. Hit some snow squalls on the way in today. It was snowing up uh, in the northern tier of Lackawanna County when I left about two hours ago. So, um, you know, be careful driving out there. There are some slick spots. It is wet. Um, with the temperatures fluctuating back and forth, you know, it was up like 31, 30-ish up by me. It was 36 down in the valley. It says uh, 34 now and cloudy. And again, there's some flurries in the area. So be careful with you driving on this Wednesday, December 6, 2023. How's your week going? Middle of the week, almost done. Lots, lots of stuff going on today. Uh, former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, and this was breaking earlier today. Um, after, of course, I formatted my show for the day. You always got to be on your toes with this stuff. But uh, former Speaker Kevin McCarthy has uh, stated that he is resigning at the end of the year. Now, he had another year. He should have been in office until January 2025. Uh, so he's leaving a year early. I think a lot of people saw it coming. A lot, I think most of those people would have figured he would have waited to his term ended and left then, but he made an announcement today, earlier today, that he would be stepping down the end of this year. So he's got about a, not even another month in office. Said he's going to stay in the political arena, but he and he's going to look to uh, to get conservative candidates around the nation. In what capacity, we don't know. This puts it in a conundrum, you know, with uh, with George Santos being expelled and not saying he didn't deserve it or not, but. His criminal charges are pending, um, regardless of what you think about him. You know, I, I, I think he should have never been elected to Congress to begin with, but he's in there, and these things are pending. As Republicans take their time and effort to remove him, you know, Democrats surround the wagons around all those. I mean, there's been no—outside of someone like a Senator John Fetterman, who's been— con completely outspoken about Senator Men Menendez in New Jersey, about him resigning from the Senate. There really hasn't been major calls. I mean, Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Senate, majority leader, has not said anything. Uh, there really hasn't been those major calls except for a select few. So, uh, you know, what's the difference? This with McCarthy leaving and a few more GOP members leaving office will leave the GOP with a two- representative majority come January. Two more members, and uh, you have a Speaker of the House, Hakeem Jeffries. And 
you know, regardless of what party you believe in, regardless of what ideology of the political parties you side with, one thing's for certain. Hakeem Jeffries has really done, done not much in his career. Uh, if you look at his, his political record, he's great on social media with his little one-liners. He's good with his little zings here and there and calling people names and making his you know, sermons on, on the stand. But as far as real tangible work that he's done, legislation that he's led the fight on, he's really done very little. I think uh, you know, everyone could do better as far as uh, leadership positions everywhere. I mean, we, we've kind of regaled Congress, and by Congress I mean both the Senate and the House, to a popularity contest. You know, who can shock who the most, who can say the most ridiculous things, and, and you could say that, you know, with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you could say it with AOC. I mean, it's both sides. You, you see it there. Uh, and it's interesting because I posted a picture last week, or early, yeah, last week, or no, over the weekend, I posted a picture with some of the representatives across America that I've had a chance to interview and speak with. And, and I got a lot of flack from both sides because I had a picture with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, Boebert, along with some other people. I think there was about 12 people, members of Congress, that I've interviewed over the past year. And, uh, you know, my answer is you don't not talk to people you don't agree with. You know, I would talk to Senator Bob Casey. I would talk to Matt Cartwright. I would talk to Governor Josh Shapiro. I would talk to Joe Biden in an interview setting, without a doubt. And without even knowing the context, you know, the, 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 you, know you see these people you don't like, and all of a sudden, oh, you're crazy for even taking a picture with them. You're crazy for talking with them. And again, without the context, because with Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene, yeah, I did take a picture with her because I did have a deep conversation with her about her comments, some comments she made about 9-11. And it's as simple as that. Uh, called her on the carpet for some of the things she said. She told me that I gave her a different perspective she's never hear, heard before. And, uh, you know, why would she? How, why would she talk to a detective from New York City that was actually at Ground Zero during 9-11? Uh, yeah, and I think someone in that position should talk to someone like that, to, should talk to a lot of people like that before you come out and say something in regards to something like a 9-11. Um, you know, that's just my two cents, and I let her know that. And that, that's... My job as someone in talk radio, someone who does interviews, someone who now has a show. So, yes, I'm going to talk to people I disagree with all the time. And, yeah, why not take a picture with them? Because uh, I don't hide from who I talk to. And, again, I would talk to I, – I invited Bob Casey in the studio anytime he wants to talk about this railroad. I talked to, uh, invited Mark, Matt Cartwright into the studio to talk about the railroad and other things. Now, will they come in? Who knows? Probably not. Most likely not, but they're welcome to. I'll be respectful. I've said from the start, they're both nice guys. I just d disagree with them politically. I disagree with some of the stances they've taken, things they've done. Nothing against them personally, and I think that's where we need to draw the line in America. That's where we need to draw the line in politics. And, and politics has become, if you look at the hearings yesterday um, with uh, Representative Lee in Pennsylvania that uh, called Riley Gaines, uh, you know, transphobic because she stuck up for women's rights because she doesn't believe she should be changing with a biological male in a changing room. She shouldn't be competing against them. And Riley Gaines, thankfully, and, and in her, to her credit, gave it back to her and, and says, well, if I'm transphobic, you're, you're misogynistic. And uh, Representative Lee tried to get that struck from the record because it was offensive. 
And uh, it was overturned. It stayed on the record, and I applaud Riley Gaines. She's been on the show, uh, I believe, three times now, and I plan to have her on the show you know, even more. Um, you know, you also have the representative from Texas who wanted to call everyone from Florida and Texas deplorables because it was a good soundbite, but yet they're useless as far as their, their legislative abilities. They're useless as far as moving this country forward. And again, it's both sides. I get that. You know, you have a Matt Gates. You know, someone I disagree with. Yes, I, I have a picture with him, too, that I posted this weekend because I did talk to him. And actually, he, he tried to reprimand me for giving him a hard time on social media. And I says, listen, you got to take the good with the bad. I'm going to applaud you when you do things I agree with. I'm going to say you're wrong when I think you're wrong. That's the way this works. I'm not lockstep because you're who you say you are. I could care less who you are. You, you really have, I mean, you're not my representative, so you have no authority over me. You're, you're one of 435 members of Congress, so get over yourself. And those are the conversations I, I have because, uh, you know, I stand up for my values even to them. But that doesn't mean I dislike them. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, I'm going to stay away from you because, oh, my God, look at these people. Just like I said, you know, if Joe Biden came to this area and he wanted to talk to someone from here or, I, uh, you know, I reached out to his people, by all means, I would talk to him. So we have to get out of this personal hate that's kind of taken us all over and, uh, and see where it goes. I mean, even yesterday, and again, this is the first story I was going to talk to. I kind of got off on a tangent here, was supporters from our area celebrating the federal planning money for this Scranton to New York City passenger rail. And there was a, a good article in today's, I believe it's, uh, yeah, the Times Tribune from Boris Krasinuk, who, uh, you know, said there, there's people in our area that are uh, really applauding this. Larry uh, Milsky's mind, uh, proposed Scranton to New York passenger rail reaches the World Series, he said. Um, Once we win four more gains, the train comes in, said Milsky, the president of the Pennsylvania Northeast Regional Railroad Authority. Of course he would be happy for this. This is his wheelhouse. He's the president of the Pennsylvania Northeast Regional Railroad Authority. Even something like this, I said, you know, I personally see more questions than I do answers with a railroad coming here as far as how it impacts our area down the road. And again, even as per the funding, I believe this doesn't even come to fruition to 2026 or something like that. So, I mean... When it gets here, when actual rail service starts back and forth, who knows? I still think it's it's far away. Now, acceptance into the ID, corridor ID program means qualifying for up to $500,000 to develop the scope, schedule, and cost of creating the service development plan and to update an existing service plan. Um, in the in article, you know, Mayor PGC you know, was was ecstatic with this. Th- thought it would be great for our economy. Um, it might be, but it also might not be. Yeah, Mayor uh, Scranton Mayor Page Gebhard Cognetti, who said she also got confirmation call from Buttigieg, so the Secretary of Transportation, as per her, called her. Um, said the project reached a new major milestone. This is an incredible, potentially city-altering, region-altering economy-altering moment for the city and the region, she said. The train to New York will open up our economy in so many different ways than when we had the train in prior generations. Well, I think she's 100% correct there. It will definitely be city-altering, regional-altering, economy-altering, but 
for the better or not. And again, she probably will not be here. As a matter of fact, I can pretty much guarantee she won't be here for when this impacts our area. Does it grow our economy? Yeah, it could, but it's going to cost. And railroads historically have been an albatross of cost, cost overruns. Look at the entire Amtrak system. It's a federal um, burden. And that's why they're trying to pour all this money into upgrade things to try and make it better, to try and make it all uh, more appealing to the rider, which it could be. The potential's there. And hopefully I'm wrong. I just say proceed and look at this with caution. And even something like this where I'm personally not for it, I would rather this railroad does not come here. Could it be beneficial? Yes. But I'm saying just proceed with caution. There's going to be a lot of external costs outside of simply putting a railroad station here to our area, both the county, the region, and the city, that I don't think our local politicians, our local legislators are prepared for, have the skill set to deal with. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully by that time we do have people with that ability to lead our area here. Again, just my two cents. Let's hear what uh, you guys are doing. Uh, don't forget that at some point today between 3 and 6, we'll be giving away those Trans-Siberian Orchestra tickets for Mohegan Sun Arena for Thursday, December 21st at 2.30, the game, uh, the, the concert. You listen today, um, sometime during today. Can't tell you what time yet, but you'll hear the music. You'll hear me announce it, and we'll give you a call number to be. And uh, win your chance to get a pair of Trans-Siberian Orchestra tickets. You can purchase tickets as well from the Mohegan Sun box office and look for details at wilknewsradio.com. A dollar from every ticket sold will benefit Fork Over Love. And uh, you could check them out, Fork Over Love, at uh, www.forkoverlove.org. Check them out as well. Great organization that does great work in our area. It's uh, 323 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's uh, 326. Let me see what the temperature is here. 34? 34 degrees outside. We have some breaking news out of Las Vegas. There appears to be an active shooter at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Uh, Authorities are reporting there appears to be multiple victims. I'm getting that from multiple news agencies, and there's live video from the scene on your news stations uh, now interviewing, appears to be interviewing students. Um, The last I heard, there were police pushing towards the student union building on campus to uh, confront the shooter and that there were multiple shots again heard. So, uh, yeah, News 8 in Las Vegas is reporting there appears to be multiple victims at this time on this active shooter at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, Las Vegas campus. I'm following it the, the best I can while talking to you guys, but police are already on the scene and it appears there's video already showing them pushing towards a building. I'm looking at law enforcement at a staging area. I don't know how far this is from the campus, but they don't appear to be in too much of a rush. But some of the video I've seen do show uh, officers rapidly approaching uh, a building. And again, I can't listen to the audio, so I'm just watching what I'm seeing here. But there, there is a active shooter situation. And it's uh, saying at Beam Hall in the University of 
University of Nevada, Las Vegas, as per police, they're saying to stay away from that area and shelter in place. So Beam Hall at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, an active shooting situation going on now. The Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department is on the scene. So uh, I'll bring you updates as I as I get them here. Just checking, uh, seeing if there's anything further. Bear with me. Yeah, that's all I have at this time. We'll see if I can update, um, update you further as we move on. Here in uh, local to our area, uh, it appears the Dunmore Councilwoman is asking the governor for increased monitoring at the Keystone Sanitary Landfill. And that's a good thing. Uh, it appears that the, the DEP has dispatched additional staff to our area to monitor it both days and nights. Uh, but she says the system of reporting issues is delayed and um, kind of preventing people from from uh, from reporting because you either can call during the day, call a number, and then call another number after hours. And if you call the number after hours, it says, well, if this is an emergency call, you know, press this button. And people are like, well, it's not an emergency. I'm just smelling an odor. I want to report it. So they're hanging up and not reporting it. So uh, I applaud this councilwoman. Let me see. Does it say? It's got to say her name here somewhere. Council Vice President Janet Breyer wrote a letter to Shapiro. The Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection has the authority and the mandate to protect us. DEP should be constantly monitoring the malodorous landfill odors, not the citizens who are subjected to them. So she's saying it's not; it shouldn't be the citizens around here who are subject to this that have to be the, the police of this situation. That's why we have the DEP. They should be there. And we could set up electronic monitoring devices to get this. And she goes on to say that, Again, you know, you're making complaints. The DEP is getting there later that day, the next day maybe. Wind shifted. Things change. It's not as strong as it was. Uh, and I understand that that uh, that take on it. She called, uh, Breyer called the DEP's process of responding to odor complaints wholly inadequate and delayed with non-existent responses. Breyer said that she uh, directs constituents to the phone line but they are often either afraid to leave their names, addresses, or phone numbers or are discouraged from calling after hours when the answering service asks if they're calling about an emergency. Uh, the DEP had stated DEP staff have been conducting these patrols in the early morning and evening hours during the week and on weekends to monitor the area around the landfill for odors. She said uh, this is the, she is the, the, the DEP spokesperson. We conduct them after hours so we can respond to odor complaints near the landfill, which typically, which is typically when we get the calls. The odor patrols result in more timely responses when people call the complaints in. Though manpower is uh, a challenge to get into the area, they said. So electronic monitoring would be a good next step in this if it's feasible. It would hold them wholly accountable. Now, of course, the landfill says that they have their own electronic monitoring and such like that. It's not needed. It's overkill. 
you know, of course, they, they, they want to do business as usual. And again, in the article yesterday, the manager at the uh, landfill basically said that the residents don't know what they're talking about. They po couldn't possibly be trained in knowing what odors are. Now, again, I've smelt the odors passing on the Casey Highway. I don't live in the area, but anyone who's ever worked around or been around a landfill knows that smell. And um, to try to attribute to other things is just, uh, you know, of course you're going to have smells when you're taking the covering off and expand, expanding your, your, your fill areas. Uh, is it temporary? Is it ongoing? Uh, you know, is this something that the, the community should be subject to? Um, you know, that's for the township officials, the DEP, the state, and the landfill to figure it out. I mean, but anyone who thought that by taking the protective coverings off, the, the sealant from the top of it so they can expand these and move things around with bulldozers wouldn't stir up some additional smells, uh, I think you're kind of lying to yourself, and anybody who told you it wouldn't was probably lying to you. Uh, it was kind of expected, but it's also something that you shouldn't tolerate. You shouldn't have to tolerate. So, you know, any mitigation that could be possible should be taking place, and hopefully it does. It's uh, 3.33 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's uh, 339, 34 degrees and cloudy outside. Some update on this active shooter at the Uni University of Nevada in Las Vegas is the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department said seven minutes ago they had the suspect contained, and they just posted a minute ago that the suspect has been located and is neutralized um, and deceased. So good news there, but they are also reporting that there's multiple victims, how bad those victims are, what's the serious nature of the incident. We don't know yet. But it says uh, earlier, an active shooter has been reported at University of Nevada, Las Vegas, with reports of multiple victims. Officials at the university are telling students to run, hide, fight. Las Vegas police stated we are responding to preliminary reports of an active shooter on the campus at UNLV near Beam Hall. There appears to be multiple victims at this time. Please avoid the area, and we will have more information soon as per the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. And like I just stated... Now, eight minutes ago, they said they had the suspect contained, and now two minutes ago, they said that the suspect has been located, neutralized, and is deceased. So that the, that's the update of what's going on now out in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. So uh, thankfully, the police were able to do their job. Now, it's unknown if the individuals shot themselves, if the police took action. Um, it appeared that, based on the video that I saw, they were moving towards that area, at a rapid pace, so we'll uh, you know we'll see what happens there. I saw this on the national news and kind of just had to shake my head a little bit. A Pennsylvania school board president is sworn into office with sexually explicit books. Karen Smith of the Central Bucks School District placed her hand on Flamer, which depicts naked teenage boys, to be sworn in. As the school president, school district president, after she was reelected to the school board. She was sworn in on December 4th as the new Central Bucks school board president after a vote by the board. As Smith walked up to the podium to be sworn in, her husband followed her with a stack of books. Thank you for your trust in me. I do not take this hand lightly. 
I feel it is very heavy responsibility, and you have my word. I will do my best for everyone, Smith said. To my supporters, I am so very thankful. To those who have challenged me, I will do all I can to hear your voices and concerns. Now, we've all seen the uh, swearing in of school board presidents after the school board themselves elect who they want to be the school board president. You know, it's an internal election from the school board themselves to appoint a president. They did, and this is how she chose to be sworn in. One of the books Smith placed her hand on is Flamer, written by an award-winning author and artist, released in 2020. It's a semi-autobiographic novel set in 1995. The graphic novel includes characters discussing pornography, erections, masturbation, penis size, an illustration that depicts naked teenage boys. And that's what the school board president decided to uh, get sworn in on. Uh, one of many books that she had, uh, but they were all sort of the same types of genre, shall I say. But uh, what would you do if you had kids in the Central Bucks School District? Now, uh, it's a rather large school district. Hang on, let me see if I can get to that. I think there were like 17,000 students. Yeah, Central Bucks School District presides over 23 schools and 17,570 students. Smith did not immediately respond to uh, media requests for inquiry. It's 3.43 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio 347, 34 degrees in, mostly cloudy. There were some snow flurries here and there. Well, if you live in Scranton, council adopted to amend the Scranton budget with a 2% hike, which is less than the 3.5% uh, hike that the administration requested. They uh, trimmed some things here and there, and it passed by a vote of 3 to 2. So um, just looking at the story here. So uh, you're gonna, if you live in Scranton, you're going to be facing a 2% hike, and that's uh, going to be on top of, although they're, they're totally separate, but if you're paying it, you're paying it, on top of the 5.9% you'll get for being a resident of Lackawanna County. So 7.9%. Uh, Increase in your taxes if you're a Scranton resident based on your county and city tax. So, it, you know, it helped you out a little bit by at least a percent and a half, which, hey, if you're paying more, you're paying more, right? So, uh, Council President Bill King said, I think it was a compromise budget. After they made some uh, some cuts to it, Schuster, who recently recommended more than two dozen changes, said he would eliminate the need to raise taxes and better contain legacy costs, wanted more extensive cuts to raises, new positions, professional services, line items, and other expenditures. McAndrews wanted to see the tax hike further curtailed to 1% to cover unavoidable expenditures, along with lower across-the-board raises and elimination of uh, nice-to-have versus need-to-have position, new positions. 
this year's tax increase like last year's uh, benefits a few of the city employees and not residents, he said. Councilwoman Jessica Rothschild, by contrast, called the budget fair and carefully considered. She noted council amendments adjusted non-union raises to what members felt was appropriate. It's uh, also added three new positions to the city of Scranton. It's uh, 3.50 here at WILK. Time for the Bloomberg Money Minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's uh, 3.54, 34 degrees and mostly cloudy. Reported earlier there was breaking news of an active shooter at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Police are reporting multiple victims. Uh, then they reported that they had the suspect contained and the suspect is now deceased. That being said, I'm getting a report of multiple victims. I'm not going to put out a number yet until I get it from a confirmed source, but uh, this this uh, may be bad. So uh, I'm going to continue. I'm not, again, I'm not going to put out a number on anything until I get it from a confirmed source. I have friends on the ground out there as well. Obviously, they're busy, so I'm not going to bother them reaching out to them. But as, uh, as I monitor all the different feeds coming from it, uh, the official stance is there are multiple victims at this point. So, uh, and at least one death from the, uh, the suspect themselves. So I'll update you as soon as I can get some tangible information from that area. Again, I don't want to put out a number of victims um, wrongly. I like to verify from my sources from valid sources. So, uh, you know, if I just see something on the Internet, it's obviously not what I'm going to go with. I'm going to have it confirmed from other areas. But um, just say a prayer for the uh, students and area of Las Vegas, which is no stranger to incidents like this where they had that concert shooting with, again, a mass casualty incident out there a few years ago. So uh, the police are responsive to this. They are trained in this. They have drilled for this. Um, Don't know how long the active shooter was active and on the ground, but it appears the police got there rather quickly from when it broke, the news broke, to the alert went out from this campus to when he was cornered, he or she was cornered and put down, I shouldn't say. Uh, There's no identity on the shooter at this time. So uh, we're going to keep up with that, you know, as we can. In the meantime, I'm just going to get on with what I've had uh, set for today. The ex-Navy secretary, Secretary of the Navy, demands a halt to a Rhode Island wind farm that will obliterate quality of life and won't ever reduce carbon emissions. A former U.S. Navy secretary and long-serving diplomat has called on the Biden administration and Congress to halt plans for an immense offshore wind farm near Rhode Island and Massachusetts. J. William Middendorf warned in an October 24th letter to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff that the projects were being ramrodded through a deficient regulatory process despite the controversy over their acknowledged impacts and questionable benefits, according to a copy exclusively attained by the Washington Post. The 99-year-old former secretary predicted to Air Force General Charles Q. Brown, who's now the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, that the development will destroy the ocean habitat, decimate marine animal population, cripple ocean-dependent industries, and obliterate the quality of life that proximity to the ocean gives residents and visitors. 
They will also enrich foreign national energy companies at the expense of the American taxpayer and will jeopardize national security, military operations, and maritime safety, the former secretary added. Offshore wind complexes will raise energy costs and create an enormous environmental liability that will endure until the last turbine falls, all without ever reducing our carbon emissions or taking a single fossil fuel plant offline. Vindorf served as the Secretary of Navy under former Presidents Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford before moving to become the U.S. Ambassador to the uh, Organization of American States and Envoy to the European Union under President Ronald Reagan. In addition to Brown, Middledorf sent copies of his letter to the Rhode Island Congressional de Delegation, Biden administration officials, and other members of Congress, urging all North Atlantic windmill projects to stop until two or the earlier government investigations about their effects are concluded. Since September, a fishing regulatory board and the Ocean State resigned in mass after being sidelined in from the regulatory process, which could okay as many as 16 wind farms to be built by 2025. The Government Accountability Office is currently probing whether offshore wind development negatively affects marine activities, and the Transportation Department Inspector General will audit the effects of windmills on the air and military traffic as well as radar screening. I fail to understand why our coastal states' leadership seem to welcome the destruction of their oceans for foreign profit, and it has become clear that the offshore wind developments do not reduce carbon emissions or dependence on fossil fuels. This is after a Danish wind farm producer had walked away from billions of dollars a deal after they began installing windmill farms off of the New Jersey coast. It goes in to say that every assessment of bringing these windmill farms online actually cause more carbon footprint than they reduce. Uh, I'd listen to what this guy's saying. Seems to be very well-versed in the situation. It's uh, almost 4 o'clock here on WILK News Radio. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after these messages.